Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 170. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Hope your Easter was delightful. I feel like I just talked to you within the last few days, and in a way, I kind of did, because I'm not exactly recording this episode back-to-back with the Midwest Gaming Classic wrap-up episode. It's been a few days, but not all that long for me. But uh, I'm recording early because uh, Easter is coming for me, and there's some travel involved um, because the Easter Bunny is a cruel, cruel overlord. He demands that you bow down before the bunny, bathe in my chocolate. No recording. Honest, that's what he said to me in a dream last night. It must be true. So, uh, the point is, I am recording early so that I can get this episode done, as uh, during my regular recording time, I will be deep in the minds of Easter eggs and uh, unable to communicate with the outside world. Sorry, I just paused there. My computer, my relatively new computer just made a weird noise and the screen went black, but it appears I am still recording. So, that was odd. Perhaps it was the space aliens. I don't really know. Uh, We'll just press on. Over at MadMikeHughes.com, there are still tickets available apparently for Flat Earth Exit the Matrix Expo, May 25th and 26th in Vegas. Mad Mike is headlining, or hosting, or whatever. That's the big news on the website, it looks like. You can subscribe to his email newsletter thing. I am tempted, but I don't want him to then give my email address to who knows who out there that would start sending me email. So what I really want is for one of you to sign up for his newsletter and then report to me what he says every week. What the heck? Over there on This Is Rocket Man, two days ago they posted a picture of a cat laying on a laptop computer with the caption, when you were looking for a recipe but ended up browsing for seven hours and now the earth is definitely flat. I don't get what's going on here with the uh, This Is Rocket Man page. California man. Sorry, I accidentally clicked on a link to the Rocket Man movie trailer. The Rocket Man Facebook page has the same thing. So, suffice to say, not much happening. No new news that I'm aware of about the uh, Antarctica expedition. So, I, I guess Mad Mike's just busy eating uh, his Easter candy and just hanging out. I wonder, speaking of Easter candy and bunnies and whatnot, I wonder what's happening with the Mad Mike Hughes uh, plush bunny toy that supposedly was going to be for sale. When am I going to get my Mad Mike bunny? This is the important journalistic question that should be pursued. Forget the Mueller report. This is what reporters should be reporting about. Oh well, no answers today, I guess. Gonna prove that the world is flat In his rocket ship Or else he'll go splat He's Mad Mike Hughes Mad Mike Hughes It has only been a few days since I recorded last, so I have no real new news. Um, when I'm done here, I'm going to try out the uh, 
cartridges I picked up at Midwest Gaming Classic. Title Match Pro Wrestling and Blueprint, neither of which I know anything about. They were cheap, though. And uh, I wasn't familiar with them, so I thought, well, I'll give those a shot. So I'm going to check those out when I'm done. Uh, and yeah, that's about it. But first, we have a game of the week to talk about. This week's game is... You finally qualified for the classic of Grand Prix. Grand Prix by Activision. A video racing game you play on your Atari video computer system. Every video racing game till now was a trial run for Grand Prix. Grand Prix puts the feel of a formula racer in your hands. The sound and fury of a real race in your head. But don't get carried away. It's only a game. Or is it? Grand Prix by Activision. Grand Prix from Activision, 1982. We do love us some Activision around here. The manual tells us right up front, literally on the front cover, you're about to enter the race of your life. Nothing stands between you and victory except the clock, the road, and other drivers out to beat you to the finish line. Can I do another take on that? All right. And other drivers out to beat you to the finish line. Much better. So take a little time with these instructions and you may emerge as the Grand Prix world record holder. Exclamation point. Lovely artwork on the cover. Uh, very blow it up and put in a frame worthy. We're using the joystick for this one. You only need the left joystick. Hold the controller with the red button at the upper left. I am totally putting that on a t-shirt someday. Difficulty switches or skill level switches on the Sears Telegames video arcade have no effect. There are four possible games. Watkins Glen, Brands Hatch, which has one bridge in it, Le Mans, which has two bridges, and Monaco, which has three bridges. When you hit reset, your racer will be in position at the starting line. You press the red button on your joystick, and the race begins. The red button on the joystick is your accelerator. Press it down to accelerate your racer. Shifting is automatic. The longer you keep the button depressed, the faster your racer will go until it reaches top speed. Releasing the red button on your joystick will slow you down, and to apply the brakes, move your joystick to the left. Brakes. Who needs brakes? Steering. Push the joystick. Pushing the joystick up moves your racer toward the top of the track. Pulling it back moves it toward the bottom. The object of the game, if you didn't know, is to complete a race circuit in the shortest possible time. Helping you not do that, or creating a barrier, creating a challenge for you in doing that, uh, there are oil slicks, which won't slow you down, but they may send you sliding off into another car. Slicks are best avoided, but when you need to pick up time and there's no other car next to you, you can try steering a straight course through them. Crashes will happen, but you should be avoided. Crashes with other cars reduce you to a speed slower than that of the car you hit. To really cut your speed and avoid a crash, release the red button while moving your joystick to the left to apply your brakes. As in a normal racing car, your steering becomes more responsive the faster you go. Expect your car to react faster when you push the joystick at high speeds. Your speed is slightly reduced every time you steer to achieve the fastest time. Keep steering adjustments to a minimum. Bridges. On the Brands Hatch, Le Mans, and Monaco courses, after each mile of the race, you'll cross a bridge over blue water. Like a bridge over blue water. Would Simon and Garfunkel be where they're at if that had been how the song went? Anyway. As your car enters the bridge, your elapsed time to the bridge is displayed and held. And held. Normal time displays return as your race car leaves the bridge. What's up with that? If you scrape the side of the bridge, you'll hear it, and your car will slow down. If you crash, and crash into a bridge, your car will stop altogether. 
and you'll have to listen to a, a stern lecture from Clint Eastwood. He was in a movie called Bridges of Madison County based on a, a cheesy romance novel called Bridges of Madison County. Anyone? Anyway, moving on. If you crash into a bridge car, will stop altogether, and you'll have to steer around it to cross it while the clock continues to run. Into a bridge. You can't steer around a bridge. Oh, steer around to cross it. You still have to cross it. Alright. Now I get it. Getting the feel of Grand Prix by Activision. We suggest you take it easy at first. A couple of slow practice runs through the courses will help you get the feel of the track. You'll find that just as in real racing, the faster your car is going, the easier it will be to lose control. That's why pacing is so important. Try to think ahead and anticipate what's coming up. When you pass another car, you'll almost never have to worry about it catching up with you from the rear. So keep your eyes on the road ahead. That's where the action will be. If you can match or beat any of the following times, send us a picture of your television screen, along with your name and address, and we'll make you a member of the Activision Grand Prix driving team and send you a special membership emblem. As always, if any of you have an Activision Grand Prix emblem, I would like to see it. Uh, times to beat. For Watkins Glen, it's 35 seconds. Brands Hatch, a minute. Le Mans, a minute and a half. Monaco, two minutes and 30 seconds. The World Raptors, however, for Watkins Glen, 29.61 sec- 29. seconds. Brands Hatch, 51.06. Le Mans, one minute, 16.87 seconds. Monaco, two minutes, 27.85 seconds. How to become a world-class racing driver by Grand- in Grand Prix by Activision. Tips from David Crane, designer of Grand Prix. David Crane is an award-winning senior designer at Activision. His games include Dragster, Fishing Derby, Laser Blast, and Freeway. Quote, Just as in a real Grand Prix race, feel and control are very important in Grand Prix by Activision. The better you keep your car, and it's, the better you know your car and its responses, the better you'll do. Here are some tips. When steering the car up and down the track, applying a slight pressure to the right on the joystick will eliminate any accidental braking. This pressure must be kept light to allow quick braking in the event of an emergency. Pfft. Emergency. <laughs> anyway, the more you play the game, the more keenly you'll anticipate the appearance of other cars. To some extent, you'll be able to memorize the traffic patterns and plan moves in advance. Yeah, I don't think so, David. Unless I quit my job and devote myself to Grand Prix. Hey, there's an idea. Anyway, if you don't, the slowdown will happen for you in the form of a crash, and you'll pay for it with a loss of valuable time. The cars ahead of you have left a lot of oil on the track near the bridges, so when you see a lot of oil slicks, watch for bridges ahead. Knowledge of the course is very important. Learn where, you're, learn where you are and what's coming up ahead for each course. That way, time is on your side, which is exactly where you want it to be. And drop me a line between races. Good luck. David Crane. He says that at the end of every letter. Has anyone ever written to David Crane? I'm sure a lot of you have met him at Midwest Gaming or, or some other event. Um, but when you were kids, playing these games you know, in real time, so to speak, in the 80s when they came out, did any of you uh, write to him at that time, and did you get a response? As always, I have curiosity about many, many things. And that is how you play Activision. No, it's not. That is how you play Grand Prix. Wikipedia tells us, so it must be true, Grand Prix was the first Atari 2600 game to feature shaded objects in color. When David Crane developed a technique for painting large multicolored sprites on the 2600, he made a color pattern that reminded him of Grand Prix racing stripes. 
This inspired him to design a Grand Prix racing game to apply his new technique. Richard A. Edwards reviewed Grand Prix in The Space Gamer, number 54. Edwards commented that, quote, All in all, the graphics and required skill make Grand Prix a game worth purchasing. Close quote. In 1995, Activision republished, republished the game in the anthology Activision's Atari 2600, action-packed for Windows 95. All right. Well, after the break, the oil is slick, all the bridges are over troubled waters, but at least you can make the vroom vroom noise all you want. You take a delicious crunchy cookie, cover it in caramel and chocolate, and pair it with everybody's favorite racing sport. It's called the Grand Prix Twix. On sale now in checkout counters everywhere. Yum, yum. What? What's that? How is it pronounced? Now, pre-twee just sounds stupid. We're going with my thing. All right, we're playing Grand Prix from Activision. Uh, first thing I'm struck by when I turn the game on, it looks really good. Cars are rendered really well. Definitely looks like Formula One racers to me. Uh, the track, well, okay, the track looks a little weird, actually. You got the yellow and green and these weird swirly things. Uh, circular, circular, swirly things. I don't know what those are supposed to be. Bushes, maybe? I don't know. Um, but cars look good, so let's just see how it plays. Ooh, engines are revving. I could listen to that all day. I'm lying. It's actually pretty annoying. Let's just get going. Boom. It's a little weird that you don't have to pull to the right to keep the car going straight. You really just have to worry about up and down. Oh no, there's some cars. Get out of my way, cars. I am flying. This race game, you know, horizontal racing game, suffers from the same problem as any of those other ones. Uh, which is that you can't see what's coming at all. Uh, I mean, I get that you have to kind of anticipate things, but you you don't know what's there until you're right on top of it. Um, still flying, crashing a little. There's some oil slicks. Somebody's, whoa, just went over a bridge. Why are there bridges on a racetrack? That's what I'd like to know. It'd be nice, though, if they're going to do that if your car could actually potentially go into the water. But it doesn't. It just stops abruptly. Man. Get out of my way. Uh, the crashes are freaky. You hear this weird, disturbing crunch so sound. And then the whole screen goes red. Like, you know, the kill screen in Missile Command or something. car shakes. Get out of my way then. Here we go. Whoa. Over another bridge. I am moving now. Minute 52. That's not very good, is it? 
and I'm still going. Gotta get getting to the end sometime. This, by the way, is game three. I swear that car just jumped right in front of me. That's what I'm telling the cop anyway. It worked before. They still let me drive. It's not gonna make, ooh, I made it. That was some fancy driving. And it just abruptly ends. No checkered flag, no roaring crowd. It just stops. All right. Oh, by the way, game three is a game that happens, I guess. Oh, game three is Le Mans. Uh, there are two bridges, and I went over both of them without being disrupted, because I just happened to be in the right position on the screen. Again, one of those things you can't tell until it's right there, uh, which is one of my problems with these kind of scrolling games. But, you know, overall, pretty content. So I'm going to, you know, make the pit stop, as it were, and, uh, you know, pick up a beef stick, uh, 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 some beef jerky, and uh, uh, a couple of tall boys, and get back behind the driver's, uh, behind the wheel. And, uh, you know, so watch out for me if you're on the road. Back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Car by Car podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. So here's the thing about Grand Prix. It's fun. Not a whole lot to it. I think I, if I played this for any you know, sustained, lengthy amount of time, I would get bored after a while, frankly. But it's not because there's anything, there's anything wrong with the game. It's just kind of, there's not a whole lot there. There. It looks pretty. And it's a little bit of a challenge, but the challenge never really goes up. Um, the, the stakes don't increase at all. You're just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. So, uh, it's fine. Uh, I especially think it looks fine for 1982. But, meh, I, I don't know that I necessarily feel compelled. There are definitely other Activision titles I'm going to pick up to play and replay and play again before uh, it'd be this one. So... Uh, yeah, it's fine. That's about all I got for that. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story. Story, story, story time. With Bill. This week's story is titled, Once More Round the Track. Once upon a time, Grady Grand Prix started his life as a mini racetrack spanning the distance between the refrigerator and the cupboard with all those pots and pans that were so fun to bang. Toddler Samantha spent hours with the little fat fingers of one hand gripped tightly around the thick rubber roof of a red toy dump truck, and the other hand 
clutching a green station wagon type thing with a smiling grill and eyes for headlights. Samantha pushed the two toys back and forth, back and forth, occasionally smashing them together with very little progress being made around the track. But she was having fun and Grady was pleased. Eventually, Samantha grew. And like her, Grady Grand Prix grew too. Samantha and her friends rode their banana seat bicycles from one end of the street to the other. None of them was old enough to go around the block unescorted yet, but that didn't stop them from wearing safety-pinned beach towels that flowed in the breeze like the capes of the superheroes the kids thought they were. When Samantha was a teenager, Grady was a little used flat stretch of concrete behind the cement plant. Samantha would put the Chevette in gear and take off. Sometimes Eric would race her in his mom's Ford, but Samantha was happy to make the runs alone. But a near miss with a minivan and a ticket for reckless driving as she flew back into town was enough to put her badge on a bicycle for a while. Grady was sad. There were lots of cars on the road, and all of them had drivers Grady could watch out for. But none of those cars were Samantha's Chevette, and none of those drivers were Samantha. Grady cared for all of them, did his best to make sure there were no bumps that could hurt the cars, or trash that could cause the cars to swerve dangerously. But it just wasn't the same. Eventually, Samantha's mom let Samantha have her keys back. Grady did a dance for joy, buckling the concrete and toppling a truck full of cream-filled snack cakes, but no one was hurt. Samantha, though, became a super cautious driver. It took forever for her to get places. Grady felt less like a racetrack and more like a parking lot. No offense to parking lots. Some of Grady's best friends were parking lots. All that was about to change, though. One night during her second semester of college, some of Samantha's friends convinced her to go with them to the local speedway to watch the stock cars. The sounds of the engines, the smell of burnt rubber, the roaring crowd, all of it was intoxicating. Wait, that might have been the three tall boys she consumed. Anyway, riding home that night, all Samantha could think about was getting behind the wheel on the track. Grady hummed a happy tune that was quickly drowned out by Guns N' Roses on the car radio. Samantha loved stock car racing. Grady Racetrack liked it fine too, but there was something missing. Samantha won a few trophies and was waiting to move on, but to do what? She considered becoming a professional NASCAR racer, but then one day at a family reunion, she walked by her grandpa who was parked in front of the TV playing the Sears telegames console. What you doing, grandpa? Samantha asked. What? Grandpa shouted, jabbing grumpily at the overlay on the controller. He didn't hear well, but mostly he just had an attitude. What game is it? Samantha said, louder this time. Auto racing, Grandpa barked. These Formula One cars are the only true form of racing. His little red car skidded into one of the beige walls on the screen. Dang, nab it, Grandpa said, clutching his... Uh, chucking his empty PBR tan, PBR tan across the room. Samantha walked away, the wheels spinning, both behind her on the screen and in her brain. Formula One? That would be something different. A few internet searches made all the more difficult by the fact the internet didn't exist yet, and a few called in favors with her racing buddies later, Samantha found herself strapped into the one-person cockpit of her own Formula One racer. Low to the ground and built for speed, the car was the automotive equivalent of Samantha herself. Samantha whooped with joy as she roared around Grady Grand Prix racetrack. Grady loved the feel of hot rubber against, against his asphalt again, but he was a little nervous that the racetrack seemed to be no holds barred. Filthy oil slick stained Grady's straightaways, 
cars kept sailing off of the bridges. Why are there bridges on a racetrack? Was all this in the Grand Prix instruction manual? Did Grand Prix even have an instruction manual? Some days, Grady wished he was a simple country road where not much ever happened. But Samantha was happy, so Grady was happy too. Eventually, in a truncated amount of time for story purposes, Samantha conquered Grand Prix racing. She retired from driving and became a Formula One team owner instead. Eventually, the Formula One racetrack closed, though. Grady enjoyed the quiet for a while, but every time the rusty hinge on the locked gate at the raceway entrance squeaked, Grady looked expectantly for cars to roar onto the track, but they never did. As the years rolled by, the asphalt began to crack. Weeds grew over the tracks. The stadium seats fell into disrepair. It seemed this is where Grady's race would end. But then one day, Samantha showed up. She was older now. The lines on her face mirrored the lines on the track. Samantha was wealthy now, too, though. Her passion for driving was steering in a different direction, however. And she needed Grady Grand Prix's help one more time. Within months, Grady's go-go carts was open for business. With top-of-the-line go-karts, gourmet refreshments, an arcade and water park, the venue was an entertainment destination. But by invitation only. No one ever paid to get in, and the only ones who did get in were the underserved, disadvantaged, and disabled youths who wanted the thrill of doing the things other kids did. Grady had to have a lot of patience. A lot of the kids, frankly, weren't very good drivers. They halted and sped up seemingly at random, crashed into the bumpers and barriers a lot. And perhaps none of them would ever turn Grady back into a big-time professional racetrack. But they all laughed a lot and had fun. And Grady couldn't be happier. The end. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Mike Mann for the Mad Mike Hughes theme. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers. Surprise! Here's where I remind you that you're listening to one right now. Tell your friends about the show. Tell them to go to Stitcher, uh, Podbean, iHeartRadio, uh, Google Play. That's still a thing, right? Um, um, uh, all the other ones that I can't think of right now. Uh, it's out there. Go get it. But wherever you do listen to it, make sure that you burn rubber over to iTunes at some point and wave the checkered flag that is a review of this podcast so that other listeners can win the joy of hearing the show. Make sure you don't crash and burn along the way. You can also now call and leave us a voicemail and leave a message about any dang thing you want. Please also consider supporting the show financially by making a donation at the Atari Bytes Patreon page or by picking up shirts and mugs at the AB underscore pod underscore store on Zazzle.com, a name which I've been promising to change for like two years now and never have. Uh, I'm also still looking at, sometime before 2019 is over, revamping the store and uh, coming up with some new things to put in there. If you have ideas what you'd like to see, let me know. And hey, don't forget to like the Atari Bytes Facebook page, Follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. Follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And check out the occasional weirdness we put up there on Instagram. Do all of those things. The internet commands you. Hey, do you guys love Snoopy, the little beagle from the Peanuts comic strip? Do you know someone who does? 
Yes, yes you do. If you say no, you're lying. Sorry, that was a little harsh. Um, but I do a podcast every month called It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, where we talk about everything and anything within or adjacent to the Peanuts universe. Comic strips, TV shows, uh, movies, uh, merchandise, the mind of Charles Schultz himself, um, other related things. We've had playwrights writing plays and musicals about Peanuts. We've had uh, authors and graphic artists who do uh, reimaginings of Peanuts. We do it all over there. At it's a podcast, Charlotte Brown, and you should be listening to that if you're not. So please go check it out. 15th of every month. 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bytes. We're playing another game, but we're, we're doing something different. We're actually going to play a homebrew. Um, you all probably know, but for the few of you who don't, um, there are very talented people out there who have designed their own Atari games, or, you know, their own games for the Atari systems, and they're called homebrews. And they've got them for the 2600, the 7800. Um, the one we're going to play next week is actually for the 7800. It's called Time Salvo, which is a game I heard about a year or two ago. Sounded really cool, so I, I bought it. It's actually the first and so far only homebrew that I've bought, and it's just a really fun game. So we're going to play that next week um, and talk about that a little bit. I'll have another story, of course. Uh, so that'll be fun. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Oh, 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 oh,